Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hello? Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very, very well. Thank you so much. I just, I just, uh, I just found out that a client of mine that we've been working together for quite a while, and one of her biggest thing was that she wanted to get pregnant, and we've been taking like three or four years. She's pregnant, so I'm really thrilled. <laughs> oh, wow. That's exciting. I know. It's such a, you know, I feel like, and also, of course, I love babies, which... So, but sorry about that. I just was, I had to share it. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. How are you doing? It's so great to hear your voice. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm doing, I'm doing well, I think. Um, so I, you know, I haven't finished listening to all the uh, modules, that, the new ones that you sent, because um, there's a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, that, and that's very good. I actually posted them all because some people were different, going at different rates, and I have, a, you know, different uh, people that are, so I just put them out a lot. But, uh, no. How many did yeah. you actually get to listen to? Uh, well, I listened to um, up to through the sixth one. So I think there's four, mm. three or four more. Um, yeah, no. So that's, that's perfect. That's that's a lot of material to cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, so a few things um, came up for me just uh, around the main, well, several things came up around the financial trauma area and several things came up around the goal trauma. And so I wasn't sure what necessarily is more significant. I think there are issues that I I want to, you know, I want to clear all of them, but um, n- not sure which comes first, you know, goal trauma or, or financial trauma. Um, right. I guess some of the, the goal trauma is issues, start at a younger age, you know, just noticing how I sabotage myself a lot in in um, achieving goals. Yeah. Um, from... Uh, so from that would be a good place to start because um, the goal trauma is like, at this point, from what you shared with me, you're, you're hoping that you're going to be able to to have more of a private practice and um, somehow figure out how to let go of the clinic or if you can, you know, manage doing that, which actually what it comes across is uh, is a significant goal. Uh, You also, in the past, you have talked about uh, having a different kind of relationship um, with Tom, and that also has to do with uh, goal trauma, right? 
Right. Um, so a few thing a few things have developed also over the last month or so. On my at the clinic, um, they gave me this. So I I got a raise as well as I got an additional program to supervise. I think I mentioned they were they've been talking about having me supervise the substance abuse program. So my boss, she's basically calling me her outpatient director now, but I don't have her her boss is hesitating on actually giving me this title, which is really ridiculous. But um so I so I've kind of taken this on, even though there's a part of me that was ambivalent about it, except that all right, here's more money, which is always good. And yeah. and it I feel like all right, let's just see if I do end up moving out of the clinic, let's move out at the at the highest place that I can move from, kind of like right. so Yeah. So that sort of opened up for me, and I think I've noticed a little shift in just how I view myself in more of a authoritative way that that has in the past been a little more uncomfortable for me. And so you you're, you see, it sounds like you're owning authority from a different place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I feel like I'm. I now really can kind of see that people actually see me as an authority, <laughs> and yeah. I'm more accepting of that, and not sort of minimizing it. And, yeah. and sort of that that that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's bad. well. It's, I think it's it's fabulous that these have developed in, in these lives have been what in the last two or three months. Well, that that specific change just happened starting at the beginning of May, um, the official change. Although I've been doing those things for the last year, I've been doing the, basically handling the same thing, but I think it's just somehow making it more official that, all right, I, I am in charge of this whole, I'm in charge of the whole outpatient services in the in this county for for the Catholic Charities agency and I don't know it just feels di- it feels different somehow yeah so if there's something about it really I think um you know it could be a total coincidence but it is interesting that it's about the time that you started doing these programs yeah, that's why I, it was kind of funny because um, I think that after, like, we had the first class when I that I attended, and and then um, even after that first class, it just seemed like, and in, even in my private practice now, I'm having not having enough slots for all the referrals I'm getting, and so which is wow. not bad. So I have, so I just saw somebody this morning. I usually see a couple people Wednesday mornings and then three or four people three nights a week. And 
yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm just kind of, I just keep scheduling people, and if they don't mind waiting a, a week or two, then that's good. <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, so, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what that's about, except that I'm just, just uh, being open to what's coming to me, I guess. Yes, well, you're open to actually shifting your energy, and I think that you have been doing that because it's uh, this is exactly what happens when you start opening up and you get more opportunities and things that are leading to more um, more abundance and more money, not just financially, but also as a sense of your your level of authority, how you're seeing yourself, how you're allowing others to see you, right? So that's a big, big shift. Right. Well, and I had another, I had a client that I met with a few times last fall, and um, I was not in her uh, insurance network, so she, um, she, she stopped coming, and then she called me a few, I don't know, a month or so, two, a couple months ago and said, you know, my sessions with you are so great. I really want to come back. I'll pay you, you know, out of pocket. I don't... <laughs> so, um, so she started coming back, and, you know, she's paying my full fee and um, every session. And she's just... This, she's one of these perfect clients. I mean, she does the work, and she's just... Uh, I met with her last night, and she's like, I just can't believe how week to week I just feel like I'm a total different person. <laughs> wow. So that is so fabulous. And Carol, that this is really amazing because you know, that may be the case that you start slowly uh, getting out of the insurance payment thing, which also mm-hmm. after your whole time, right? I mean you have to process all of those all Oh of the yeah. Insurance. I know. I have a whole so, month to do this. Sitting in. <laughs> so maybe you have to slowly start saying, you know what, I'm gonna actually start. Um, I'm not gonna be taking insurance anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. just get paid out of pocket and see how how that feels. And that could be a process. It doesn't have to happen right away. You know, maybe right. you know, maybe something that you facilitate people to move into. I don't, I don't know. But I think that that would be one way where you can save time and and actually earn money for both at the same right. time. Right? Right. 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 So, yeah, and that, that's, so that's partly, you know, I've been doing some writing as well just about um, the, the, I think we talked about doing a, program for couples or, you know, so I've just been kind of putting a lot of different ideas together um, mm. to off, offer different services. Whether That group. sounds fabulous. That sounds like a great idea. And uh, I think that that would be really, really wonderful to do. You can also, uh, we can talk more about these, I, you know, um, but it's like you can offer a program that has both components because you can actually offer a program for couples 
And then you, if you want to, you could, like I do, have like a, an individualized, you know, product. So one of the things that I have done is that I have group programs uh, that are whatever it might be, you know. For the group program, it might be like 497, let's say, for, you know, like six classes or whatnot. And then if and it may be different for couples, you decide on that. But then I did, okay, for the people that actually want to have individual personalized attention, I want to have, um, you know, yeah, individual sessions to complement and really make the, the whole process deeper, then this would be a different price set, you know, or this would be an additional blah, blah, blah per session whenever you need it. Um, so in that way, you're actually in, in having a group and at the same time it's like, okay, you know, you can um, really use your time and energy offering something really special and different that people may not may not be able to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of trying to expand my view on things and, you know, I just, I think what what was coming up when I would feel this sort of uh, more of a paralysis kind of energy was that you know I know you mentioned my relationship with Tom that I mean that that's been going okay but I guess the reason it's going okay is that I feel like we don't really spend a whole lot of time together. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I, you know, he, our work schedules are, we, we never see each other during the week, and it's gotten so that we used to, we used to at least talk almost every day or, or check in every day, but I don't know, it seems like the last six months maybe, uh-huh. very, very rarely that we even talk during the week. And I don't, because I, well, I'm, I'm always, I'm busy till, I don't get home till about 9.30 sometimes and sometimes 10 o'clock at night. He's in bed early. I mean, of course, we live in separate homes and so right. he goes to bed at 7 o'clock and leaves for work really early. Um, he works long 10-hour days, so he starts really early so he can leave early in traffic, all that stuff. And um, and then I visit him on Fridays. After I go to his house on Fridays and we spend the weekend together, usually. <clears throat> but, so if, if ever I do anything on the weekend, separate from him, sometimes it's a couple weeks before we see each other. Right. So right. I feel like there's a part of me that is... Um, that I, it's hard to really have this future vision on things when I'm just I feel like I'm still in this sort of un at least on my end I I think at some I mean I don't know how he feels but I think he just kind of he's just content with whatever happens <laughs> but I feel like for me I can't. There's a part of me that I can't move forward until I know what's happening with us 
in some way because mm-hmm. if if he wasn't involved, if I wasn't involved, if, I mean, I, I don't like the thought of not having, having him in my life. At the same time, if he wasn't in my life, I think a lot of things would be clear for me. I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Oh, of course, uh, yes. You would be, yeah, you would be making decisions from a very different place. Yeah, I would just be just making decisions about me, uh, you know, uh, around me. <laughs> and um, on the one hand, I am in, in some ways, but on the other hand, I'm always just, I just feel like I'm always holding back a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. that's what goes back to, I think, this early learning of I have to not be too much. I have to not. And this, this phrase, being too big for my britches, <laughs> keeps coming up. Mm, yeah. And it's too big for my britches, and I'm just too, too much. And I have to sit back and not cause too much problem yeah. and um, hold back and I don't know, it's sort of that, it's still that stuff. Yes. Yeah. So there's so a, few that... a few events in my childhood and in my early adulthood that are just clearly sabotaging things that I really wanted to do, and I made decisions not not to or indirectly created it so that I didn't succeed. And um, so it's just that clear pattern. So um, it seems um, that somehow, even though we worked on some things, there's still some areas or aspects of the certain events that are present that are still holding you back. Yeah. Uh, I, guess, I guess so. I mean, there's just, yeah, there's just always this either this rest, restlessness, like is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is am I? Or almost like why can't I just why can't I just be happy with what I'm doing? <laughs> um, um, what you know? If 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 I want to do something else, yeah. I mean, what I don't know. It's just this confusion about. Uh, about my my true calling, I guess, because whenever I went for something, I I didn't I ended up not really achieving what I expected, and so okay. I think there's just always this confusion about well, what is what is it that is really meant I'm really meant to do, even though. Yeah. The work I'm doing now, I, I I love doing that, but there's I think there's a part of me that doesn't trust it, and that's why it's been so interesting in my job that I feel like I'm 
am trusting a little more that people see me as competent and I, I'm feeling more competent or I'm feeling that I'm in the role in a better way. Yeah, no, I think I think that what's going on. So there's I think that goal trauma is really coming up because it's interfering with your clarity. And it's like somehow what it reminds me of is like um this whole see from from very, very early on feeling that you were too much, it has caused you to to really it's almost like putting the, the volume down on your energy and who you are. So it makes a lot of sense that as you're moving forward and you're, you're experiencing some of that energy, then what happens is that this, there's another part of you that is questioning. That is like, whoa, wait a minute. All that energy got us into trouble. So is it really okay to experience it? Is it really okay to really do what you want to do? And what what is it gonna? What is the repercussions that it's gonna have? And you know, your relationship with Tom and the clinic and your life in general, like like things are going to start shaking and moving, and is that okay? Right. Right. So can you hear me okay? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, now I can. Yeah. So so that's a piece that I'm wondering if it's, um, if it's really, let's, I think it might be important to address what is, like, what if, right? You addressing the what if. So actually, you know what? Before we just head into doing this, let's start tapping our karate chalk point and address what is really present. Ah, take a deep breath and start tapping the karate chalk. And is there something else that you'd like to tell me? Um, no, we can we can start tapping. I mean, I didn't know if you wanted me to give you any specific instances of my goal trauma but oh we'll we'll get there in a second. I okay. just wanna get I wanna get a couple of rounds of these. Okay. So even though I'm feeling confused when it comes to what is it that is my purpose in this life. So even though I'm feeling confused about my purpose in life. Yeah. Because in the past every time that I really believed in something because in the past, every time I really believed in something, what really ended up happening was different different from what I expected. What ended up happening was really different from what I expected. Take a breath and let it go. I'm open to creating a peace of mind. I'm open to creating peace of mind. And the clarity of my goal. And the clarity of my goal. Being in touch with who I am. Being in touch with who I am. And owning all of my energy. And owning all of my energy. Stopping to the point. There's a part of me that feels really confused about my purpose. There's a part of me that feels really confused about my purpose. Because if I really do what I truly want, if I really do what I truly want, it may shake way too many things in my life. It might shake way too many things in my life. 
And I don't know if I have the energy or the the clarity to do that. I don't know if I have the energy or the clarity to do that. In the past, I actually went for certain things. In the past, I actually went what? Like really went for went for my goal, right? For something that felt really clear. I went for my goal. Yes. And it did not work out as I expected. And it didn't work out as I expected. So I'm really concerned about making a mistake. I'm really concerned about making a mistake. There's a part of me that feels very clear. Part of me that feels very clear. That I love working with couples. I love working with couples. I love my private practice. I love my private practice. And I get really inspired in creating programs and special, you know, special trainings. And I do get inspired creating programs and special trainings. Is that true? Uh, Yeah, it helps me to uh, write things out like that because it kind of reinforces that maybe I know more than I think I know. Right, yes. And yeah, it gets you in touch with knowing how right. much you know. Yeah, how much you truly know. Right. And yet there's another part of me. That there's another part of me. That is scared about letting go of the clinic. That is scared of letting go of the clinic. And letting go of Tom. And letting go of Tom. I just, I go into a place of feeling confused. I go into a place of feeling confused. I now choose to honor that confusion. I now choose to honor that confusion. Because it's inviting me to look. Because it's inviting me to look. At these two different places. At these two different places. There's a lot of different feelings that come from each. There's a lot of different feelings that come from each. And I'm open to hearing and feeling what it's all about. And I'm open to hearing and feeling what it's all about. Does that make sense? Yes. Right, because it's like it really is. Like while you're in confusion, you're not going to move. So it's a good it's a good place to be. You're confused and it's just keeping you from actually doing something that you might regret. So right. just just honoring being here. So what was the main yeah, go ahead. Well I just you know, I'm I have all I have all these tears in my eyes and I think I think it's because it it, it goes down to even that that earlier place of, you know, just as you were saying, having giving all these pieces of voice, I think that not having a voice as a child, um, yeah. wanting to be invisible, not wanting to be, but me, sort of feeling like I had to be invisible to protect myself. Yeah. And is the un- underlying of of the confusion and um, and then and then sabotaging not to 
as another way to protect myself. Yeah, yeah. Not to be too visible or too, too like, right? Too, like, really taking too many risks. It could be too scary to take too many risks because then you can be a target. Something may go wrong. Right. Too big for my bridges. Right, yeah, there you go. Too big for your bridges, yes. Take a breath and um, let's just actually look. We can really there's there's two ways that we can do about go about these and I would like if you've been I know that you've been giving some thought to all of these so we can do a gold trauma we can also address these very clear very clear beliefs that is very present and is at the core of this whole thing about that you're too big for your breaches how old were you when somebody said that to you did you you know when does it come up. Um, I don't know, uh, I don't have a clear memory, it's just a phrase that was tossed around a lot in my house, um, whenever, I think whenever I, um, thought I had an idea or or wanted to do more than maybe I wanted to do more, or, you know, just any time I was standing up for myself, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that would be, oh, you're trying to, you know, don't be too big for your britches, or, um, yeah, I don't, you know, but I don't have a specific, yeah, memory. Right. But it's this whole notion that if you're actually going for something, you may just be really like, it's like, okay, this is this is too much for you. What are you trying to do? Right. Right. And, you know, instead, instead of being encouraged to try things, even if, if even if I didn't do it well, it was don't even try. Right, exactly. And uh, yeah. I mean, the, my earliest earliest memory of consciously choosing to not take to do something was when I was um, when I was nine, and we actually were in the states on furlough, and. Um, my sister and I were taking swimming lessons at the local community park pool. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end, the last class, they had a, a little, you had to do a little test to get your your pin or whatever they gave. Um, and part of it was to go off the diving board and do a dive. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my sister Mary, she's just one older than me, she didn't do it. She wouldn't do it. She was a little more, she was even more timid than me. But um, And so there was, there was just, I then, I just automatically then chose not to, to do it either. Mm. And um, then after the test was over, 
and all the other kids, you know, got their hands. I went up on the diving board and I and I went off and I made I made a dive and the, the teacher said, See, you could have done it. And of course instead of just giving me the pin, but I hadn't done it when the test was, I didn't get yeah. the pin. Hmm. So I just I just remember that like I was so it was more important to not not out perform my sister and sort of align with her not doing it than than to to take that chance of yeah so you did so you didn't get the pin he says that because you didn't, didn't no I didn't get yeah. the pin because I didn't do it when when the test was going on. You know, it was it was afterwards. I decided to just go and and do it because there were, you know, then I guess it it made it okay because it was there was no pressure, and right, yeah. Um, so I just did it, and then he, yeah. you know, and then he noticed it, and he said, "Oh, see, you could have done it." Or yeah. If I'd been the teacher, I, I would have given the child the pin, but um, of course. But the big but thing was really like you couldn't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it, it was, like, I don't, I don't know that I actually cared about the pin so much, but I just, I, I just kind of felt bad that I had, you know, that I hadn't taken the, the taken the chance of doing it when I could have done it, you know. But it was something. But was it about competing or being scared that Mary would get upsetting Mary? I think I didn't want to. I didn't want to hurt her feelings somehow or make her feel worse because she and she wasn't trying. I mean, she would. I think she probably said, "Okay, I'll go ahead and do it." But I, I don't know. It was just something that. Um, maybe if if my older sister wouldn't do it, maybe this wasn't a safe thing to try. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's hard hard to know exactly, remember exactly what was going through my head. I just remember that I couldn't do something that Mary didn't think was okay for her to do. Mm, right. Yeah. And yeah. she was she was the she was kind of the good girl in the family. <laughs> right. We perceived her as sort of she always did the right thing, and um, so yeah, yeah. But um, we were both good swimmers, and so because we had had swimming lessons in Egypt and with you know swam in the ocean and everything, and um, but. Yeah, so the teacher was encouraging both of us to do it, and I, you know, so it was just a, one of those moments that I think I undermined myself, and and then that carried on into other things. The only the only areas that I think I felt really comfortable in doing really well was 
is my sport, like playing basketball and volleyball. But when it came to academics or I I always got good grades, but I wouldn't, I would kind of take the easy way at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh-huh. I, I get it. Yeah, you wouldn't, yes, it wouldn't challenge you too much. Well, there yeah. was something about not uh, standing out, right? Because being too right. big for your being too big for your bridge breaches means two things. Like in, the culture of your family was about like don't stand out too much. You're right. not there's there's nothing special about you. Right. I mean, there was one right. classic. Can I can I talk about another? Uh, oh, yeah, of course. So if you, um, you let's let's step to the point as where as you're telling me. Okay. Um, so I was, I had uh, transferred to the University of Wisconsin, so it was my junior year, and I, I took this, um, history class, it was a Middle East history class, and, um, the midterm was a written exam, and after we took the exam, the next class, he, he was handing out all the exams, Passed them all out. Then he he said, uh, but I, I didn't get mine back. And he said, so this is how an exam should be re- should be written. He started reading this exam, and it turned out it was mine. So he was he was reading this my exam to the class, saying this is how it should have been done, kind of. Mm. And of course, I was really embarrassed and um, I was an undergrad and this class had a lot of graduate students in it and so afterward so then he gave of course in front of everybody he gave the test to me and everybody knew it was me and um, so then um, for the final he basically said you can take an exam or write a paper and he said to me, he said, Carol, I hope you will write a paper. And so I felt like I had to write a paper. And for the life of me, I could not bring myself. I mean, I wrote, I wrote the paper, but I just couldn't. It just, it just wasn't coming together. I just couldn't get clarity on. And when I, so after the professor read, read it, <laughs> he basically said, Carol, what, you know, what happened? And I didn't, I wasn't a, you know, I felt like he, he had this huge expectation of me. I couldn't even go to him to tell him that I just couldn't do this. Like, I felt like I was then just going to disappoint him and, and yet I couldn't write the paper, and so he kind of gave me a he gave me a gift of I don't know like a C on the paper. It probably was more like a D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I ended up with a B for the class, but I just totally was paralyzed. Yeah. 
and because now I was expected to be smart and somehow live up to this expectation and I don't know, yeah, so I just there were so there were a few other, you know things like that that I at the last minute I would somehow do something that would undermine the excellent <laughs> right, and the thing is that you had it in you, and yet the pressure it was something that would freeze you up or would just paralyze you and not allow you to really perform to the level that you really wanted, right? Or that you yeah. could have. Oh, you, you know, wanted or you could have, but this was a fear that, like, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disappoint them. Right, and I mean, probably all I had to do was just tell him, you know, my paper's not coming together. I'm going to take the final, I'm just going to take the exam. I'm not going to write a paper, you know. Or I could have gone to him and said, I'm, I'm struggling with my topic and I don't, it's not coming together. What Can you help me? But I, I even doing that, it felt like, I don't know, I just couldn't, I just, I'd never, I was just expected to kind of, you're expected to be, you're expected to, in my family, you're expected to get A's, but not expected to sort of recognize it or acknowledge it or, I don't know, it was just this mixture of, yeah, you could not be proud of it. You could not, right? Yeah. Right. It was always kind of like, you know, well, okay, that's what that's what you're expected to do, and what's what's next, kind of. Um, right. Exactly. It's not about celebrating anything. It's about like, well, this is what you're expected to do, right? So there's no, there's now what comes after that? It's like, yeah, that's yeah. I totally, totally get it. So. The the reality is that it leaves you with a sense of like this is what is like somewhat normal. This is what is expected of you, and and then you know so there's nothing special about what there's no big deal, right? Right, and I think there is also this um, in when I was little that you know Anne Anne my the oldest she. She kind of had that role in the family of being the the brilliant one, the really, uh, yeah, she was the achiever. And everything she did was was celebrated. And it felt like as, as the other kids came along, there wasn't enough room for celebrating. Every everybody, um, and I could. It was almost like I can't, I can't entertain the idea that I could be as brilliant as my sister Anne. You know, and it's so interesting. Yeah. Anne, 
and was valedictorian of her high school class, made a speech and all that. Mary, she was uh, salutatorian, which is number two, which is also wonderful, but, you know. And then I was number five, actually, in my class, which is not hmm. not a bad thing. Right, right exactly. <laughs> not not and, at all. So, um, yeah, but it, it's kind of funny that as as the family, you know, each person, we were just a little bit underneath each other. We kind of maintained that, that um, order. And so yeah. there was always this part of me that never, I, you know, I couldn't be as smart as Anne or as Mary and, um, and, you know, of course, I'm just realizing now at my eight old age that, you know, in some ways, I'm probably smarter, <laughs> you know, and, and it doesn't really even matter. We're both, we're all smart in different ways, but um, but the decisions you make as a child based on whatever's going on in the family is uh, obviously so powerful. Yes. Yeah. So, so one thing that I would really like to do, Carol, because I want to give you something to really uh, heal and address these, and I also want it to be, you know, the recording, even though we don't have a ton of time left. I want you to think of a time, and I think that we have talked about these and maybe even cleared some of it, is that mm-hmm. I want you to think of a time where you actually tried to actually compete with them because you tried that, didn't you? I tried. Yeah. yeah. So how old were you when you tried competing with them? Well, um, I mean, I guess can you, the only... Can you, can you think of anything that, you know, that you felt like you wanted to try to... Was it... I'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't about playing the game, was it, or not? Um, I mean, I think I think I always tried to sort of I compete with her on a, a verbal level, or you know, try to talk. Um, but I don't I don't remember the only the only thing that actually comes to mind is one time. Um. I mean, when we were kids, I think I just tried to compete with her physically. You know, where where either we'd play outside or 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 we'd just get into arguing, and I would and I would stand up for her. You know, Mary would just walk away, and she would just sort of hide. She always kind of just avoided any conflict. But I would and I would engage Anne in conflict. Yeah. And so, can you can you remember maybe uh, just for a moment allow your mind? to actually take you to some some instance, maybe the the either the worst or the when you were the youngest, that you tried that you actually engaged Anne in confrontation. Well the last I guess the the most vivid memory actually was when um I was a little older back in the States and 
I think I was either a senior in high school or a freshman in college, and Anne was home. We were both home. and come home for the some holiday or the summer or something. And there was, our family was always talking about the state of the world and politics or things. And I don't remember exactly the topic, but I was trying to express my views about something. And I think before I really was able to get all my ideas out about it, and just kind of came right in and um, questioned something. And I don't think she was, she just questioned me about, like, what do you mean about that? Or, you know, what do you, you know, something. And I don't think her intention was any negative thing. I, you know, but, and I remember just, Bursting into tears, just just bursting into tears. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't stay with whatever my thought was. Because my immediate, my immediate reaction was, whatever I was saying was not right. I was just wrong, and I didn't know enough, and I didn't have all my facts, and and. I just started crying, and Anne was just like, "What's your problem?" <laughs> you know, yeah. we were we were adult. I was, you know, I was, and I just kind of ran out of the room, you know. And so, I just always tried to avoid getting into really big discussions with her because I just felt like I could never, I couldn't compete. I just couldn't feel like I could compete. And she wasn't, she wasn't trying to tell me I was wrong or anything. At least I don't, I don't know, maybe she was. Yeah. Um, but, so that, that kind of just epitomized my, my, view of myself in relation to her and and of course you know my father was like that too like if you didn't agree with him it was either his way or the highway yeah and um, he and Anne used to get into big battles and she you know but she would take him on and sometimes they were just Having, would have these screaming matches and, and so when I was little I made attempts to you know battle with Anne but as I got older I just tended to try to avoid that and yeah. at all costs and so think it like let's let's actually address that a little bit because what happened okay Let's just start tapping. Start tapping at your karate choke point, and I want you to close your eyes and get in touch with that, with that uh, Carol that really try was trying to say 
was trying to really share all her ideas about whatever subject. I just lay there. And I want you to, like, just freeze that, that uh, image for a moment and just look at her. And just as you look at her, what do you notice? How is she feeling in this moment that she is about, she has nothing has happened yet. She just got this idea that she really would like to share what her opinions are. What do you, what do you see? What do you notice about her? Well, um, I noticed that she is um, she's physic she's physically healthy and things are going pretty well for her uh, in a lot of ways. And she has a lot of ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And she has really long hair. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but I think she's a little tense because whenever Anne comes home, it, it's a little tense. Yeah. And, uh, Anne has always been very critical of her looks and I think yeah. always re- resented her. So I want to I want you to see that we're gonna I wanna address something here. Um I want you to see her and as you um you can just say hi to her or we can just start tapping for her. Is that okay? For the sake of time I want to just start tapping her at a your point. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk with her as you see her there. At this point, you're just feeling like you can really share the best of you. Mm-hmm. Right? So say that to her as if you were to, as we're stopping at the Karadachal point, I want you to say this. At this point, you're really feeling like you can share the best of you. So I say that. To Anne, or yeah, no, to actually to Carol. Yeah, yeah, to the 17-year-old Carol, right? Right. Yeah. So I say that out loud, or yeah, just do it out loud. Yes, you can hear it as well as she can. Yeah. So Carol, you are ready to just share everything about yourself to Anne. Yeah, and tapping through the points, and you really have the energy and the, you know, and the yeah. knowledge to do it. And you have the energy and the knowledge to do it. Even though you're feeling a little tense, you're going for it. Even though you're feeling a little tense, you're going for it. You're feeling healthy and full of energy and power. You're feeling healthy and full of energy and power. Do you see that she has that, that she's owning that? She's in a really good place, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that that was a really wonderful thing to do. And I'm here to tell you that that was a wonderful thing to do. 
Yeah, was a really good thing to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. That was a really good thing to do for yourself. Yeah, so tapping through the point. Even though it did not work out the way that you wanted. Even though it didn't work out the way you wanted. Your intention was really great. Your intention was really great. And you really do have what it takes. You really do have what it takes. You have wonderful ideas. You have wonderful ideas. And you know how to share them. And you know how to share them. It's not your fault or your responsibility that Anne doesn't want to listen. It's not your fault or your responsibility that Anne doesn't want to listen. Or that she has different ideas than yours. Or that she has different ideas than yours. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. And so are you. And so are you. Now, I want you to continue tapping through the points and notice that throughout throughout her life, and especially in this moment, Carol did not have this this you know this young Carol did not have the support to, or the encouragement to share who she was, right? Right. So what happened is that from this place, she reached the conclusion that there was no point in trying. Right. And because of that, she actually decided to shut down. Shut down a lot of her ideas, a lot of her energy, because there's a big risk and a lot of pain if she actually were, you could continue tapping through the points as she, you know, is sharing of herself and not really getting the result that she wants, which is recognition, understanding, curiosity. Right? I mean, it's not just that what I'm guessing, which I would really like you to do, and this would be probably your homework, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that, you know, we have these recordings so you can do it here, is like telling her what she needs to hear, interrupting this scene so we actually, you can provide for her what she most wants, which I'm curious, which I, I imagine that it has to do with, recognizing that she has great ideas. And even if she doesn't have all the facts, even if she, you know, if her ideas will change with time, whatever it might be, the ideas that she has in this very moment are her ideas. And I would invite you to step into the into that scene and be mm-hmm. curious and just tell her, say, you know what? Let's forget for a moment about Anne. I am here. I want to hear your ideas. I really want to hear all of it, and I'm so curious, and I want you to tell me more. Like, how did you come up with these great ideas? Mm-hmm. Because she needs, she knows, she feels, she wants to feel heard, right? She wants to feel that people are curious and interested in what she has to share. Mm-hmm. She wants to see that people are recognizing the value of her trying to grow and learn and share what she's learning is like a very important and huge need that young Carol had all along to share her ideas and to share her energy. And that was never encouraged. Mm -hmm. So the healing takes place where what would happen 
So let's say that now you have this idea, and I'm going to test this with you, right? Right in this moment. I'm going to just give you a taste of it. So tell me for a moment. And just, you know, you can continue tapping gently in one or two points or just to the point if it's not too distracting. Tell me what would happen if you were to make a decision, and I'm just playing with you, okay? If you were to make the decision that, you know, right now, because the relationship with Tom is so sporadic and it's not really that fulfilling, you're just going to take a six-month break and you're going to say, you know what, Tom? I, I'm gonna. I need to try on something, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on a little bit of a sabbatical from this relationship. How would that feel? Um, very anxious. Very anxious. Is that what you said? Yeah. Very and a little sad. Yeah. A little sad. So is it? Is it not good? If you tested for sight, is it the wrong thing to do? I'm not sure if it's the wrong thing necessarily. It's just there's a part of me that would like to be able to say that, but <coughs> there's um, a lot of fear that comes up with hurting him and being being a bad person. Yeah. So so maybe that's not the best way to go. What I wanted to ex- for you to experience was this possibility. This possibility of just going into doing things that you really love doing. And it seemed that there was on one hand it's it's a little scary and a little sad letting go of the relationship. On the other hand, you may provide with some freedom, but that may not be that may not be what feels right. Well, I think that's what that's what is always the the confusion about um, doing what's right. For me, may hurt other people, and so that's where I get stuck: is to avoid avoid um, avoid doing something that would be good for you, yeah. or that you may want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I will do little things, like, so I've, you know, I've been taking this tap dance class, <laughs> and, uh, Great. and, uh, and, you know, I do, I do things for myself, but I feel like it has to, it has to fit in with the time that doesn't take away from you know what what Tom wants, or you know, so I do it. I've been scheduling clients around this class, so I don't do the class on the weekends or anything. I so I don't interfere with our my time with Tom. And I feel like I'm always fitting my life around 
that relationship, which I guess, you know, you do in relationships, but at the same time, when we are together, it hasn't felt really connected the way I want it to feel, the way I want to feel, so. Yeah. But I like but, the idea of I like the idea of kind of trying on that different possibility of as you say sort of testing some different ways of getting getting that freedom. I think that it is that issue of feeling free to be myself on a Yeah. On daily basis, um, and it seems like the only way I really, the only times I really feel that I'm totally free are during the week when I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And And how important is that for you to really be more alive and do your, you know, I mean, can you imagine if you actually allowed yourself to experience that in your life with no schedule, with no restraints? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, it's, and And you know that I've never been into, like, I don't think the solution is actually to let go of the relationship or stay in the relationship. I have no opinion one way or right. the other. What I want is that, and that's why I said a six-month sabbatical. I didn't say you're breaking up with him, right? But it's like, what would happen? What would really happen? Yes, of course, there's a, there's a grieving period, but I'm just, I want to invite you. So what I want you to consider is, what would it be like if you felt free to be yourself? Knowing that, I have, I have to tell you something that I think it's, um, you, and you know it in, a, in an intellectual way, you know it, and yet emotionally, you may not totally own it. So I want you to tap a little bit while I say these. Mm-hmm. Throughout, your, throughout your life, you've been really, really careful to keep your energy at a certain level, right? Like to be, not step on anybody's toes, not be too big for your britches, you know, not be too visible, you know, hiding or playing small to a certain degree not making anybody upset. And yet, even playing like that, so even sacrificing, if you will, yourself in the process, unintentionally, in a completely subconscious way, you have hurt people. Can you recognize that? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even though it was never your intention, it was never your actual intention to hurt anybody. It still happens. It's just part of being alive. We say mm-hmm. things, we do things, you know, to our children, to our parents, to our siblings, to our friends, to our partner. We do, you know, there's some, sometimes we say things that are actually hurtful. Right. What would happen if you considered that being who you are would bring more joy not just to you, but to the people around you. Even if it shook the boat, 
anybody that really loves you and wants the best for you wants you to be happy. Is that true? Yes. I, I have no doubt that your children probably want more than anything for you to be happy. And the biggest gift that you may not consider is that including Tom, when you are happier, he's happy. Mm-hmm. If, you know, because I think that he really does love you and he wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. So even if, you know, you shake the boat and something happens that may cause some pain and hurt, yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. That is definitely a possibility. That you ultimately doing what you do and really honoring who you are and and being happy and joyful is actually allowing everybody else to do the same. You're becoming a fabulous model for your children, like you did when you divorced her, their dad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that this brings sadness, and I would like you to consider that the sadness that comes up is the the part of you that has been has been kind of like tied up, has been living in a in a in a space that has been a little too small for her. Mm. Yeah. Right. Right. And and you have been experiencing what it's like to actually have bigger space like having a whole week to yourself, Monday through Friday, that is yours, or Monday through Thursday. And you have experienced what it's like to take your tap lesson and to schedule your clients during the week whenever you want to. Manage mm-hmm. your schedule and your home the way you want to. Mm-hmm. How is What is that like? And also owning that you really are seen as an authority and the reason that you're seen as an authority at the clinic is because you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So what comes up when I say all these? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think that's... Um, I think um Tom does want me to be happy. Um and I think because we are we're just so polarized in our energy that um whenever whenever we're in those sort of opposite it's I just have found that I have to work really hard to stay true to what I mean. Um, yeah. And I found, you know, so this last, do, how much time do we have? Actually, we're out of time. But go we're ahead. out of time. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think I've, I've been more, verbal and conscious about what I need but it still feels like it's um, it's hard for me to to talk to Tom it, it goes back to that 
voice and staying, you know, staying with my voice and trusting that what makes me happy is what, you know, he'll be happy with. Right. Um, and also, like, I feel like you have tried, but I wonder how much is it true that he, we talked about these, like making requests instead of um, either shutting down or disappearing, right? Right. Because it's hard for you to actually make requests. Or maybe you have given up because you feel he cannot meet you. I think what, when I make requests, I mean, I can make requests, but I I kind of figured that a lot of times the answer is going to be no. Mm, okay. So, you know, when, when for instance, when I'm going to visit my kids up in the city, or I, I pretty much know he's not going to want to go with me. So right. I've gotten that, well, I can't not ever see my kids to wait for him to want to go with me. And so, you know, I'll just I'll just tell him, I'm planning, you know, to go visit Mark Saturday or Sunday. Or, um, you're always welcome to come, but you know you're not probably going to want to. And he's usually like, yeah, it's not really what I want to do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Right. Um, and yeah, so it's it's just always trying to find that balance of do I want there's always this feeling like I want too much and What would it be like if you actually consider that you don't want too much, that what you want is okay? If that were a possibility. Say that again? What would, yeah, what would it be like if you actually consider for a moment that what you want is actually perfectly reasonable and it's okay for you to want what you want? And it's not, it, there's not a mistake in him not being able to provide it. It's simply that what, you know, what you want and what he has, is able to provide don't match mm. at this time. Right. Right. And, and I, yeah, I think that's, that's what I've been trying to work on is that what I, what I want isn't unreasonable. Um, right. I, I want to have... A nice home to come home to, you know. I want basically things that other people have. Um, I want, you know, to have a little downtime and go to the beach house on weekends. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what if, exactly, so what you want is uh, is not unreasonable at all. And what would happen if you were to recognize that? I think what's happening is that there's a part of you that has been in this space for how many years? Is there like how many years have you been with him? Um, it's over twenty years now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
but it's a really long time. Right. And I think I got, I actually, uh, last weekend his sister and uh, brother-in-law came down to our beach house. We were there for the weekend. And every every once in a while he'll he'll say something about, you know, he introduces me or he talks about me as his, his future ex-wife. Huh. And yeah. kind of sort of jokes. And I just I he said it again, something about I don't know what we were talking about, but in front of his sister and brother in law and um I just, I just said to him, you know, I could I could change that and make it to be I'll your current ex wife. <laughs> <laughs> And he yeah. kind of just looked at me, and I just like, you know, that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. Because <laughs> he keeps well, sending us this message but, that he assumes I'm going to dump him one day. But you know and, what? I want I want to tell you something, Carol. I think that he's yeah. a very he's a very brilliant man, and he knows his limitations. And he, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but before I married Stefan, I dated somebody for almost two and a half years, two years, something like that. That reminds me a lot of Tom. Have I have I ever mentioned this to you? Yeah, I think so. And but it was so similar because when he when Tom makes those comments, uh this guy would say exactly very, very similar things in the sense that he knew. Tom knows. He knows in his heart and soul. He may not be aware of it, it may be subconscious, but he knows that there's more to you than what he can hold. And there's nothing wrong about it. He is just acknowledging and recognizing his limitations. It has nothing to do with you. Do you see it? And it's not, and it's also like that the other thing is that there may not be anything wrong about him either. It's just that when it comes to certain things, you're not a good match. And my 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 sense, and I think that this is happening because this is something that it might happen to you as well. As you're both growing, right, and moving forward in life, his energy is going to become less, but yours will not. Your energy will shift. I know that, of course, you don't have the same energy, neither do I, when we were in our 20s. But at the same time, the level of activity and desire for life that you have has never been the same as his. Right. Right. So, so I wanted you to consider. Yeah, go ahead. Well, just that. I mean, his energy has already shifted even more into less energy. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's always. Yeah, uh, I know you mentioned that. I think it would be really great if we schedule a second session. And I was thinking, well, in two sessions, we may not be able to cover all of these, uh, but we can always, you know, continue working together if you think that that's... uh, It seems to me that you're making really fabulous progress in a lot of areas. And this is an area that is bringing... It's always brought up a lot of sadness and confusion because... um, But that's that's what I would suggest because I do need to jump off. Yeah. So, um, would you like us to schedule something for next week? Um, 
Let, yeah, what do you have next week? Uh, it's a, it's morning, like earlier morning, better for you? Early mornings are better. Okay. Um, do you I have could do, Wednesday yeah, early? Do you have next Wednesday yeah. early? Um, the earliest that I could do next Wednesday would be 10.30. I could do 9 on Thursday. 9 on Thursday the 4th? Yeah. Okay, let's do that. Uh, I'll just go into work a little late that day. Okay. I'm the director okay, so. now. I can do whatever I want. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So actually, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm sorry about this, but I'm gonna have to make it like nine nine fifteen. Is that is that gonna work? Okay, that's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah, and then we can you know we can look and see if it you know if it makes sense to continue or you know you can, we can talk about that part. Okay. So this yeah. this next session it will still be part of the program. It will be still part of the program, and uh, I'm going to try to keep it to an hour because I have I'm going to have uh, and I, uh, okay. what is it at ten thirty, um, but um, yeah, please let me know, and I would invite you to actually listen to this one again. You have access to the you mm-hmm. still have the link, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, and. Um, and also, um, I think it would be really great to really consider what would it be like? What would it be like for you to just, you know, own that you actually have different desires and different needs? And what if that were to be okay? Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, sorry. I- no, no, you don't have. No, absolutely no. I, 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 uh, I knew that this was gonna take longer, and I'm, I'm good with that. But uh, just take care and really you know, let me, let me know what happens. If you, you know, just really practice. You can make some drawings. You can see, see what comes up, and I'm really open to uh, reading about it. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're very All welcome, right. Carol. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. Take good care. Uh-huh. All right, we'll talk next week. Yes. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.